Welcome to The Short-Term Show, the show about short-term rentals and long-term wealth, with real property owners hosting real properties who are crushing it in the vacation and short-term rental space. And here's your host, Avery Carl. This episode of The Short-Term Show is brought to you by The Short-Term Shop. 30-year fixed mortgages, tax benefits, and long-distance management training made easy are just a few of the perks of owning a short-term rental. The Short-Term Shop can help you buy and learn how to manage your property from anywhere in the world. Just go to theshorttermshop.com and click Get Connected. Again, that's theshorttermshop.com, and we are brokered by eXp. See y'all over there. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Short-Term Show. I am super excited about our guest today. He and I have been rubbing elbows at different events in the industry for a couple of years now and never had him on the podcast. You guys are probably familiar with his podcasts, though, a number of them. Uh, I, he's doing weird things with his eyebrows right now and distracting me. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and introduce you guys to Will Slickers. How's it going, Will? Good, Avery. How are you? Long time no see. I know since yesterday. <laughs> I know. It's like, wow, we can't get enough of each other. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, Will, so why don't you introduce yourself to our audience? I'm sure most of them are familiar with you already, but for those that aren't, um, just tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do and what your background is. Yeah. So the short and dirty version of it is uh, I'm Will Slickers. I founded a podcast network called Hospitality.fm. Before that, I was a hotel manager, worked my way up the ranks, got introduced to short-term rentals and fell in love because it immediately solved a lot of the problems I was facing as a hotelier. So went into the dark side, as a lot of my hotel friends would have said back then, and haven't looked back. I've been doing my podcast, Slick Talk, full-time since 2019, and yeah, I have a small little management company. We'd have about 15 homes under management throughout uh, Florida, Pennsylvania, and Washington state. So kind of a little bit of everything going on in my world. Awesome. So let's start. I think it's really interesting how you came into this from the hotel world, because the vast majority of the content out there is people coming into this from the real estate investing world and then scooting into the hotel world from the investing side of things. But you're coming from the hospitality side of things. And I find that very interesting because I think a lot of a lot of things translate over to that. So how did you end up in the hotel industry, by the way? Let's start there. Yeah, it was kind of like a weird chain of events that were very much needed to happen in this order, if that makes sense. But um, I started a show for an event company in Spokane, Washington. And let's just say at 20, I think I was 20 years old, yeah, 21 maybe. Um, I wasn't the smartest when it came to business and uh, understanding how to generate revenue and profit and loss and all this other stuff. So basically, after running this show for an event company for about a year, I had to close shop. I was like, okay, I can't keep doing this. I'm dead broke. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. Uber's taking off. I didn't know about Uber until like one of my VIP like chauffeur clients was like, oh, I almost called an Uber, but then I forgot that I had you saved in my phone. I was like, what is this thing called Uber? So anyways, long story short, after closing that business, I walked into this hotel. It was a four diamond Marriott property. And having a little bit of the entrepreneurial bug, I had all like these suits and ties and like 
nice dress up clothes. And I was like, I got to put them to good use. I can't let this investment go to waste, you know? And I walked into this uh, hotel and I immediately asked for the manager, got an interview on the spot, got hired on the spot and immediately just fell in love with the hospitality front desk operations uh, part of that whole world. And it was that chain of events of like losing that business remembering picking up some clients there and seeing them in the lobby with all the nice, you know, the restaurant, the cocktails, and just that really good lobby ambiance. And yeah, that was kind of what got me hooked from there. So that luxury hospitality. So, so you were, I'm hung up on the first part. You were a chauffeur. You ran a chauffeur company for a while. Yeah. Just for like a year, barely. I was just like, Oh, this sounds like a good idea. I have this car that I put, you know, have a loan on. Um, and it wasn't like a fancy like limo or Hummer or anything like that. It was just a nice, good, clean car, black leather, all this other stuff. And I was like, well, I have this loan. I have to pay- make monthly payments on it. And I don't like what I'm doing for work. So I'm going to try this show, like way to make money out of it. Kind of, you know, figure it out as we go type deal. So what? kinds of people are you chauffeuring here like are these drunk people are these sober people what's going on there because i feel like there's probably a lot of great stories here and it's what i'm getting at both there's (laughs) both yeah so the spokane arena was a great one for the drunk clients because you had taylor swift um uh, keith urban post malone i had a bunch of like these big events happen during this time and so i was able to pick up people left and right and make a pretty decent amount of money for a solo driver and then I had a couple of people from the airport that were more business. They were in in town every week at a certain time. And I honestly got introduced to a lot of these people or got these clients through kind of reaching out to local businesses. Uh, we had an extended stay property. I think it's still there. The Ruby 2. I'll never forget it. Um, and I reached out to the management company owned by Jerry Dicker, this big real estate mogul in Spokane, kind of Washington area. And... He was actually the first one that gave me a shot. He's like, hey, we have some clients picking up um, this next week, blah, blah, blah. Go get them. And this is what we'll pay you and all that stuff. And that was kind of the, the ripple effect from that. Anybody ever throw up in your car? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was <laughs> it, my favorite one was the ones that tried not to throw up in the car, but they opened up the window and then they get it all over the side. And then the wind's blowing inside the car again. And it's just everywhere all, all, over, all over their face. And yeah, it was just a great time. I loved it so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I see that. Yeah. Okay. So, all right. So you have all these fancy suits and you're like, I'm going to go get a job where I can wear these fancy suits. Right. So, exactly. All right. Again, okay. trying to like make use out of my investment. Gotcha. Yeah. Like, <laughs> are these like crazy colors or are they just like nice designers or just like, you know, just well, well-fitted, slim cut suits where i just i you, you put it on there's just nothing about there's something about being a guy having a really good fitting suit a nice clean haircut from the barbers and just walking into a room full of confidence and that was kind of what my take i felt good i looked good i performed good i was you know that whole kind of mentality around that um so that's why i was like well if i'm look good and i feel good at work like maybe i'll you know take off and have my wildest dreams come true by working at this hotel <laughs> Uh, what is that quote? I think it's James Brown where he said, I look good, I smell good, and I am good. Exactly. That's basically <laughs> what went through my head. I was like, right. yeah, I'm, I'm 21. You know, I'm young. I wasn't, wasn't uh, I think I was a little bit younger. I can't remember if I was just 
20 or 21, but yeah, still trying to figure it out. Like, you know, just kind of walking through life, just living the dream. All right. Okay. So we go and we get the job at the hotel. So how long, how long were you working at that hotel? I think I was there a little bit over two and a half years. So I stayed there for a while, um, got promoted to supervisor, wanted to become more into management. I wanted to learn more behind the scenes with revenue management and kind of how we kind of stacked the house. It was 716 rooms. So when you have 716 rooms, valet, um, you know, garage parking, two restaurants, two bars, you know, 600 or no, 60,000 square foot of event space. Like I still remember the hotel, like the back of my hand today. I swear to God, I can go back there. I could check people in. Um, and it's been years. <laughs> so, um, but it was just like that point when you get to, when you're in a business and you're in a job and you're just not getting, I'm a person that definitely needs to have a little bit of mentorship or, and maybe some kind of, I don't, I don't like calling it special treatment, but I wanted to do more beyond my job of checking people in and checking people out. And of course, like being a supervisor was fun, but you still don't get to see the main decision-making kind of behind the scenes, how revenue is displayed, how do we adjust, how do we upgrade people without, you know, like impacting RevPAR. There's a bunch of little things I wanted to know and I never received that. So I got little, I would say, uh, what do you call it? Um, cabin fever kind of feeling where I just felt trapped. I I kept telling my boss, so I was like, hey, I really want to learn more. I want to be mentored. I think I could run this hotel one day. You know, this is this is where I want to take my career. And it just, you know, that hotel was maybe two or three years old. So it was pretty new when I started there. And the people in leadership were just like they were they were comfortable. They were very comfortable. Um, so no one was getting promoted. No one's leaving. So it just kind of stayed stagnant. And I was I was eager to get out and and find a place where I could learn and grow and be mentored and and take my skill beyond the front desk and into a more property level. Okay. So it seems like a natural progression into short-term rentals because they are, you know, like little hotels in a way. So what made you, what was your aha moment that said, made you say, I'm, I think I'm going to go manage some short-term rentals. I think I'm interested in this space. Yeah. So I moved to the Oregon coast, started managing this independent boutique property. And that's when my parents had reached out to me and they said, Hey, you know, this two bedroom apartment that we have, it's never been really a great investment with the long-term leases. We've had some pretty terrible tenants and we heard about this thing called Airbnb. We figured you might know what to do because it's like a hotel, right? And like, that's what led that conversation. So basically I sat down with them said, well, if I were to do this and I would have put it on Airbnb and treat it like a hotel, this is how you have to do it. You have to have white linen. You have to have amenities. You have to have kitchen supply, like all this stuff. And then I was like, well, now you also have to get rid of, front desk. We need to find smart locks. We, I just immediately kind of assess the whole thing from the check-in perspective as like a front desk person. And immediately that's when they were making, I think, 1800 a month on their, their long-term rental income. And once we went on Airbnb and took that property, you know, professional photos, all the other stuff, this was also before, I think a lot of people were doing that. They were still doing cell phone pictures, which was crazy. Um, and so did that and then immediately they're making 45 5000 a month uh with just Airbnb on that property so it was a two bed 
two bath, little kitchen, apartment, nothing crazy, but in a very quiet and secluded area. And once we saw that ROI, we're like, okay, this, there's something here. And that's when I kind of went down the short-term rental rabbit hole of content and podcasts and your show was one of them. And then um, also going through just people in the industry that I discovered through social media, um, figuring out how to start managing properties. All right. Okay. So it's all like very, you're right. It all kind of had to happen in that same order and it all kind of fell into place. So, so you're managing 15 right now in several states. So how are you as a manager bringing on new properties in different states? Yeah. So it kind of, again, happened through a ripple effect, working with my parents, they bought in Florida and then we took on that property. So that was an easy go out to Florida for two weeks, set up the furniture, get it all done, you know, meet the photographer, um, get the pool cleaned, all that, all the little stuff. And then from there, we got introduced to other investors who had purchased properties in similar neighborhoods or kind of county areas that were really good on regulation with short-term rentals there. And so we took them on. Well, that one of those investors bought in Pennsylvania as well. So, hey, I don't want to find a management company out there. Will you guys take this on? So kind of a a lot of relationship building, I would say. And then um, we've used tools like Ventory to help us find owners. We've done email lists. We've done all the marketing type stuff. And so just kind of making sure we knew what property we could handle and what property fit our brand. So that would also help us kind of nail down the type of owner investor we wanted to work with. And what type of owner and investor is that? Uh, yeah don't even get me started on that one (laughs) because there's a couple of difficult ones my parents included they're they're difficult sometimes especially (laughs) when your family uh so sorry mom and dad if you're listening but um yeah so like when we approach a property we definitely have to set the expectation pretty early in the relationship with any investor whether they're a friend or family or not and it's telling them like look this is going to be money up front this is going to be uh, a slow drip, basically. Like, yes, we're going to get you money every month, but at the end of the day, you need to understand the money you're putting into the furnishing. If something is not right from a safety perspective, like you need to get, like, these are our standards in order to work with us. If you don't want to meet them, that's fine because we will go somewhere else and I'm happy to refer you to somebody. Um, and that's kind of been the approach we've always had just because, yes, we only have 15 properties, but we look at the 15 of like, okay, if we can have 15 really good quality properties that have really good ROI every month, whether they're seasonality or not. Um, that's kind of the investor that signs up with us. Then they do. They usually, again, in like the first month are kind of a, a pain in the ass, excuse my language, but they're like, hey, why aren't we seeing this? And the calendar's slow and da-da-da-da. And these rates are too low. And, you know, and then that's when we tell them, okay, you've lost your Airbnb privileges. We're taking you off as a co-host. You're not going to be able to see your listing. Here's our owner's portal through Hostfully, and you can <laughs> log in and see your main calendar from there. And that's usually kind of how we try to create boundaries. But um, hopefully I answered your question. I just feel like I just rambled on. This episode is brought to you by the premier short-term rental Facebook group, short-term rental, long-term wealth. We have nearly 50,000 members. This is the biggest independently owned and operated SCR Facebook group. And it has been curated by yours truly, Cashflow Car. Join us on Facebook. Search the groups for short-term rental, long-term wealth. 
That's short-term rental, long-term wealth on Facebook. This episode is brought to you by Short-Term Rental Listing Advice. Join this Facebook group and post your listing to get advice from other hosts, including myself, on how you can improve your listing. Or just post your property so you can show off. Join us at strlistingadvice.com. That's strlistingadvice.com. No, no. Yeah. I was really just joking, but uh, I mean, parents, my, so my parents bought a short-term rental, um, in the Smokies. So it's next door to one, one that we have and they felt com- they're not investors. They are very much Dave Ramsey. And, yeah. um, it was a really big deal that they bought this and my mom's managing it. And, uh, they paid, I think they paid four ninety for it. It was new, brand new construction, three bedroom with a big theater room. It's super cool. And after a year, my mom, and she's very, very nervous. She's a very anxious person. So every every time anybody was just like, hey, where do you keep your coffee pot or something random mm-hmm. like that? She'd be like, oh, they're going to give me a bad review because they didn't find the coffee pot immediately. <laughs> so anyway, it was like a painstaking first year. And at the end of the year, she's like, oh, I have $40,000 in my account. I'm like, mom, that's great. Like you've made, you've done awesome. And she's like, well, I just thought it would be more. And I'm like, wait a minute you guys only put 50,000 down and you have 40,000 at the end, after all expenses at the end of the first year, that's better than like anybody. That's amazing. That's amazing. <laughs> but she's like, eh, I thought it would be more, <laughs> but it it's is a slow drip. That's ex- that's yeah. a really good, like people need to understand it is not, you're not going to get rich your first year, even though my mom basically did. Um, but it's slow, you know, it's definitely a investing in any kind of real estate is is get rich slow <laughs> and a lot of people don't realize that they get real excited and they're like cool i'm gonna make all this money and you will over the course of time but not immediately 100 and with the amount of media you and i got to talk about this when you were on my show and the amount of media and things that go out there especially with a public company like airbnb and then you have property management companies like vacasa and sonder that you know are publicly traded companies and not doing very well outside of airbnb and a lot of people, you know, that aren't in the industry like us can create certain articles or posts saying Airbnb and bust and all this other stuff. And that's when investors, especially when they don't understand the drip part, right? <laughs> They're expecting to get rich very quickly or uh, in a shorter period of time than what's realistic. And then they read something like that that's completely false. And then you are the one that's putting out uh, imaginary fire, basically with them because they're all all of a sudden we need to pull out, we need to sell the house or we need to go do this and put, you know, 15 or 20 grand more into furnishing and design or whatever, like kind of crazy response they have. Right. And that just ripples down and it just, it creates a lot of chaos. But at the end of the day, I think, I think you said this on the show, just, you need to be that voice of reason that really sits them down and goes, Hey, like this is not what we're seeing. Yes, there is like lower occupancy because inventory is up in the in the certain market or whatever. Like obviously, these are given things that you could walk through, but yeah, it's uh the expectation setting and the come down to earth moments are are the funnest ones for all of us that manage <laughs> properties. Oh yes, they are. So let's talk about let's go back to the the hotel experience. So I think all of the skills that would translate from working the front desk of a hotel over to 
short-term rentals, pretty obvious. Is there anything you were surprised by, by switching from hotel to single family short-term that you weren't expecting that wasn't like, like hotels? Was there anything that you were like, oh, wow, this is completely different than doing a hotel? Yeah, I think with a lot of us, and this is one that I knew, again, I wasn't expecting it to be a big issue, but it was definitely one that was kind of maybe in the back of my mind a little bit more than I thought it would be when we initially started. And that is, I live in Denver, Colorado. My business partner lives in Seattle. Our properties are in kind of Seattle, Woodby Island, Kissimmee, Florida, Tobyhanna, Pennsylvania, nowhere near where any of us live. And the the biggest part going into the front desk to short-term rentals was really kind of being like, okay, if an emergency happens at a front desk at a hotel, I can easily respond. There is always an immediate reaction to something that happens on the property versus with this model, especially us being all remote and virtual and stuff like that. The, I think ability to respond fast when it comes to emergencies or major questions like, you know, ACs going out or other stuff like that. I didn't really think I could do without being in person. I was like, man, I might have to fly out to Florida all the time, or I might have to go do this. <laughs> but then discovering like, okay, there's actually a lot of resources, especially if you're kind of like money doesn't really matter in this moment, right? We just need to get it fixed. We just need a solution. Um, that's been kind of the biggest learning lesson, especially with, you know, all of our properties being mostly, out of state again, being able to respond fast with like heating and pool issues and being able to respond fast with cleaning and just stuff that I thought would cause a lot more headache is actually a lot easier than probably I expected. Um, granted, there's been a couple of cases where we've had kind of a shit storm, but um, outside of that, it's actually manageable, manageable beyond what I thought it would be. That's good. I like, I like those kind of surprises. It's more manageable yeah, yeah, than I thought. It's, uh, <laughs> it's always a good thing. Well, I think good systems, good tech, and like good understanding. And I've never, well, I don't think we've ever signed a property that we've never seen. So at least we've touched and been in the property and kind of seen the landscape rather than, oh yeah, these are the photos that the owner sent us and or our photographer. And uh, we, we know exactly how everything works there because we've never even stepped foot. You know, like... I think having just a little bit of an understanding of the property helps a lot too in the area. Um, but yeah, for me, it was just like, oh, AC's out. Great. AC companies on Google. You find a hundred of them, you call them, you figure it out. And you most people can take money over the phone now. So it's like, okay, not that bad. I didn't have to hop on a plane, fly to Florida, get a rental car, go to the property, do all the stuff. So yeah, I yeah, thought it was so going to be a lot crazier. People like, are worried about doing that. And when you think about it, there's really not ever a situation where you as a owner or manager ever really need to like an emergency situation where you ever need to insert yourself into that. Like, okay, the house is on fire. What are you going to do? Potentially, actually, if you go there, you're going to probably potentially actually do something detrimental to your insurance claim, like claim responsibility yeah. or something like that. So it's best to just stay out of it. Yeah, um, totally. Yeah, I just think so many people are like, oh, I got to get there. I'm like, actually, it's probably best that you don't. Don't worry about it. You probably, even if you live next door, it's probably best you avoid the situation. So, but I mean, in the event of just non-emergency maintenance things, it's really easy to just do over the phone now. 100%. And, you know, I, I I give a big shout out. I don't know what you guys use 
Um, but we we give a big shout out to Turno for their marketplace because that's been so good on the fact of cleaning, cleaning emergencies, cleaners not showing up. Like having a good system like that was again game changer being out of state and not being able to do like interviews or see how people clean, like kind of having that trust within that platform and marketplace has been really great. So a great one for anyone that's managing outside of, outside of their kind of maybe hour long radius or more. Um I think is is a great tool just to make sure that you're covered. Yeah, absolutely. So let's go back to to transferable skills. So you were in the military, right? Yes. Yeah. I joined, did Army National Guard for a six year stint. And that was when I was 19. I was yeah, 19, 2020, 2014. Sorry. I was at 2024. <laughs> yeah. You were 19 in 2014. How old was I in 2014? No, I wasn't. Okay. You're not that much younger than me. I was like, wait a minute. Um, I'm 35. So yeah, yeah, not that much younger. <laughs> a little bit. Um, <laughs> okay. So are there any skills that you learned in the military that have transferred over well to managing short-term rentals? I would imagine a lot of like operational stuff, but you tell me. Um, Operational, I I will tell you this. I'm a hundred percent a visionary person, so I struggle with systems and processes as much as I talk about them because I know the power and gift that they bring, but I struggle at creating them. I'm good at following them usually once they're in place, but that's kind of a, a whole new thing. But um, the transferable skills from the military to set maybe a little bit of context for the listeners and for you. Just when I joined. I just got out of a really bad situation. Like my life at 17 through that year and a half of being uh, pre-military at 19 years old uh, was not was one of my hardest and darkest years. I was homeless. I was living on um, a 40-acre farm in this trailer, and, and I was making 100 bucks a week shoveling horse crap. Like I was literally shoveling horse shit twice a day for 100 bucks, and um, you know, I had some drug issues, some party issues, and just a lot of mental health as well, where I was struggling with, you know, wanting to to continue to move on to another day. And I got sat down by an owner slash mentor and now a really close friend. Um, his name's Mark Crawford, has this, you know, multi-million dollar co- concrete company, took me in, was what the owner of that kind of horse barn that I was living on. And he sat me down and he goes, well, you need to figure out what you're going to do the next five years because the path that you're going is not sustainable. And at the end of the day, I can't support you if you're going to keep going down this road. And I know that's really hard because this is all you have. And he kind of helped me sit down and realize that I needed a wake up call. And in order to have a proper wake up and kind of come to Jesus moment, maybe was I couldn't be in my hometown anymore. I had to I had to get out, but I didn't have money. I couldn't afford food. I had this crappy like little Geo Metro that I was <laughs> I uh I was sleeping in for a little bit before and I'd think about it because it's, it's the tiniest little car you could ever find. <laughs> but um you know I I had that moment with Mark and he cooked me a nice really great dinner and we had a good time, you know, just chatting it to know each other and and the long story short version of that is you know, a couple of weeks later, I was like, okay, I need to, I need to get clean. I need to start figuring out how to financially get another job or something like that. And once I figured that out and kind of got a little bit more stable and just was starting to 
you know, figure out life a little bit more than I was, you know, the months before. I knew I needed again to leave and I was just going to get caught in a circle of the same people and the same problems and all the other stuff that I was caught up in. So I remembered in high school, I like talked to a recruiter at lunch and he was talking about the National Guard and I was part time and blah, blah, blah. So I was like, screw it. I'm going to join the military. They give me three meals a day. I'll get really good shape and maybe I'll learn something. It's going to suck, but I just need to like do something for this period of time. So I enlisted and I went in weighing like 115 pounds and came out weighing, yeah, came out at 175 after about four and a half months of training. So I did basic training. um, And then I went to my advanced individual training for my MOS, which was 88 Mike. So I was a truck driver and long story short, the biggest lesson and skill or even just trait developed through the military, just that short period of time was attention to detail on time and punctuation and integrity. That was my biggest three takeaways because I went in, you know, knowing that I was homeless and all sort of stuff before to coming out confident, had held, uh, my head was held high. I felt better about what I could accomplish because I had accomplished so much. I went through a lot in that you know four month period, and so that really transferred over into not just my hotel career and short term rentals, but my everyday now and my current business and how we operate. And um, yeah, it's just been the probably one of the biggest years of my life was that that year from going to my current situation to you know the military and coming out and actually getting on my feet. Wow, that's a really awesome story. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's one I don't I don't like share it all the time because a lot of the podcasts, you know, we're always talking about, you know, industry stuff, but you mm-hmm. know, it's definitely yeah, it just is a, a core of where I came from. And I love to share it when I can because it's uh hopefully I've I've been I've seen people in you know similar situations and hopefully they can see uh, there's another side to it, right? But yeah, so that's kind of kind of where it all transferred and learned from. Do you think that having had a mental health struggle in the past has allowed you to be more empathetic when you're dealing with guests and people in the hospitality industry? 100%, but it's also made me (laughs) kind of more, uh, there's definitely, you know, those, there's definitely those guests that we all know who Mm -hmm. they're just in for a discount. They're just in for, they're just, Oh, they're miserable themselves and they're just in to cause havoc everywhere they go where I've learned to put my foot down. I'm not as empathetic anymore um, in that realm, but definitely when it's a real situation. Yeah. hundred percent. I think empathy was the biggest things. And, and um, I've shared this on a, another podcast or a webinar I did with rent responsibly, but I have a, I have a twin brother with down syndrome. And so he is, the coolest guy you'll ever meet. Like he just loves people. And a lot of the times I've caught myself asking like, what would TJ do? Because every time I have a hard guest or a hard situation, I know that when he's been in hard situations or hard, you know, moments uh, of his life that he's always kind of come out of it with a really positive spirit. And so having empathy being really positive and just like really, I don't know, just that natural ability to, like we're going to figure it out and life's going to be good. We're, we're great. Uh, that mentality from him has been like the biggest thing too, for short-term rentals and operations and hospitality in general, right? Just having that spirit of joy and constant. I love you. I don't know who you are. I don't know where you came from, but Hey, like I'm here to take care of you. 
whatever you need, let's make it happen. I hope you have a great day. You know, that type of stuff. Yeah, I think it's really important to be able to just kind of step back from whatever it is for a few minutes. Like a lot of times things can feel really heavy and really like a big deal if somebody catches you on the wrong day and um, things can feel just, you know, heavy, like I said. So it's really important to be able to like back up a few steps and say, hey, okay, we're going to figure this out. There's no, this is no, no situation is forever. We can figure this out. We can still be positive about it. Um, I mean, that's, I try to even tell my kids, I mean, my oldest is five, but I want it to be like instilled in her, Hey, you know, there's nothing that we can't figure out together because I want her to always be able to tell me when she's older, which, you know, starts now with her being comfortable talking to us, like, Hey, there is nothing you can ever do to change anything about how much we love you. Like there's, you come to us and tell us and we'll figure it out. Don't worry about it. And, and keeping that that line of communication and open positive experience so that you can just move forward and get through whatever that thing is. So I think that's a really cool thing that, that your brother has taught you. Um, that's a really, a really cool story. Thank you for sharing that. Of course. Yeah, no, he's, he's the best. So one of these days I'll get him on my podcast and we'll get to chop it up, but yeah, no, it's a big part of my life right there. Awesome. Awesome. So back to, let's swing it back around to short-term rentals. We've been getting into some deep stuff. (laughs) Um, So what is, what would you say is your favorite short-term rental that you manage or your favorite market to manage in? I would say like, if I have to pick a favorite based on revenue, obviously Kissimmee, like Orlando, Florida does really well um, due to, I think a couple of different reasons, but it's a great vacation rental market. It's been known to be vacation rental heavy. It's pretty friendly for vacation rentals. So I like that market. It's been it's been pretty good for us. Um, but one of my favorite properties is actually a new property. We're still figuring out some stuff with it just because it was a different type of owner and situation that kind of brought it to us. But, but this property out in Britannia, Canada. So we're actually an international if you want to count one <laughs> property in Canada, international company. Um, but it's a like, I think four bedroom, three and a half bath luxury style. Like it's not huge in luxury, but it's luxury amenities, luxury, like very nice interior um, and just beautiful, beautiful location. You have the mountains, you have the water, it's secluded. There's no neighbors, a beautiful outdoor lounge, kind of like seating area, fire pit, just amazing. It's peaceful. It's quiet. And it represents our brand very well from a recreation standpoint. Uh, We call our property management companies called recreation rentals. So we focus for the comforts of home, but also for the ability to explore and be adventurous. So whether you want to have a coffee by the, by the fire in the morning or have a glass of wine by the fire at night and watch the water or go out on a hike all day and come back and, you know, take a shower and, and cook up a nice meal. That's kind of our our approach for the properties is to really have that ability to be unplugged and kind of come as you go and go as you please and type stuff, all that. Um, hopefully that makes sense. I'm stumbling over my yeah, words. Yeah, totally. yeah, totally. Yeah. So all of your properties are in like vacation markets? Yeah. Yeah. We don't have like, we have a couple in West Seattle, but they do really well just from the travel nurse standpoint. So we have a lot of travel nurses that are there for okay. months on end and we have more of a midterm short-term rental for us and the nut. I love Seattle. It's one of my favorite cities. 
It's a great, great area. I grew up over there. So nice. Uh, I love the spring and summer. I don't like any other part of the year there. That's just <laughs> <laughs> too much rain for me. Growing up yeah. there is like, all right, I feel like I'm in uh, twilight. It's constantly gray. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> all right. Well, Will, I could talk to you all day. I still have a lot of questions, but we are running out of time. So I'm going to go ahead and move on to the final three questions of the show that we ask every guest. And the first question is, what advice would you give 20-year-old Will? Don't rush things. Enjoy it. Have fun. Don't wish time away. Um, I still have to remind myself of this, so that's probably why I'm telling myself 20 years at 20 years old. Um yeah, I just I've realized that being a visionary person, I always want to think ahead and think of the big picture. Yet a lot of the times I kind of miss really important or cool moments that are right in front of me. So just getting to experience that more and more now. Um, I wish I can go back and just kind of tell myself the same thing. All right. Great advice. And the next question is what advice would you give a new investor who's looking to get started today? But before you answer that. I have two more questions, not related. So, um, one, do you uh, do you plan to become an investor yourself and buy any of these, or do you like the management side and you don't really want to own them? Oh, that's the conversation we're having every week. Is we want to <laughs> we want to own. Uh, we're moving away from not moving away from management. Obviously, we'll still do it, um, but we want to own it. Like we want to not just take twenty percent of ten grand. We want you know eighty, one hundred percent of ten grand. Like that would yeah. be great. Great cash on cash. Um, I want, yeah, another revenue. Like a lot of people that for, you know, have gotten into the podcast side or part of our industry as as you and I both know, um, you know, they get their money mostly from their real estate properties and their investments. And I've only built my revenue and income off of our podcast network. So like I don't have that, you know, kind of safety net or anything like that. And looking at real estate, yes, it's risky, but definitely something we want uh, to to have. So when I'm ready, I'll be calling you. Yep. <laughs> and the second question, before we go back to the original first question, sorry, I'm jumping around, but I have these written <laughs> down that I meant to ask earlier and forgot, but I think it's important to ask. Uh, do you plan to ever get back into the hotel space, like maybe buying a boutique hotel, like a lot of them are doing right now, or are you sticking with single family? I would love a hotel. That's honestly like there's, you know, uh, I kind of mentioned it earlier. A lot of my hotel friends in the day, like when I first moved over to short-term rentals, kind of called it the dark side, right, of hospitality. They're like, oh, you're going to the dark side. How dare you? Um, but there was a lot of good that came from that. But I can't get away from the life that is inside a hotel. Get rid of the front desk. Get rid of these annoying key cards that always demagnetize and when people are drunk have to come back down and try to get <laughs> yes. another one like all that stuff let's get rid of that and let's create an environment where community can actually happen and we can actually enjoy great stays great memories and a, and a nice like ability to connect with other humans that's like my ultimate goal because um, I still think there's a lot of amazing things that hotels have that short-term rentals don't but again at the end of the day when COVID happened, everyone went to short-term rentals. No one wanted to be in a lobby and no one wanted to be that close. So like, I get that there's pros and cons to each, but I think there's just something really special about a hotel. You know, I agree with that. So I, like I posted in our big Facebook group, the short-term rental, long-term wealth one, uh, when we were on our uh, RV trip this year. Mm. And in 
Houston, we stayed in a really nice hotel and um, Hotel Zaza, I think it was called. And I posted about it and I can't remember why, but like so many people were criticizing me on there because, well, <laughs> why didn't you stay in a short term rental? Because I wanted to stay in a damn hotel this time. Like I'm in yeah. a downtown area, but I love short term rentals and vacation markets. I'm staying in a short term rental if we're in the mountains, at the beach, desert, all that stuff. But if I'm in a big city, especially as a mom with two little kids and a husband <laughs> yeah. who, um, is also kind of a version of a little kid as most husbands are. Uh, it's like, you know, sometimes I just want to be waited on. Sometimes I want to be able to call that room service and I don't want to have to go to the grocery store and like make d- deal with dinner in, in a short-term rental. Um, I don't want to do that when I'm in a Metro market. If I'm in a Metro market, I'm staying in a nice hotel. I'm getting room service and I like it there. I don't think it has to be an all one or all the other black and white thing. Um, mm-hmm. if I'm in a, if I'm in a big city, I'm staying in a nice hotel. If I'm in, if I'm going on vacation, like to a vacation place, we're probably getting like an Airbnb condo or, or single family. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with doing both things. Not at all. Not at all. And I, like, I love when I'm staying in a city hotel lobby bars, the best place to meet people. If you're feeling a little chatty, but don't want to like go out, out. You can meet so many cool people, have some good drinks, get to know the staff. Like that's a great in-between moment for, at least for me, I'm, I'm, I like to go out and have a good time, but not all the time. And sometimes (laughs) I don't want to just be a hermit and stay in bed. So, you know, I think having like that good lobby bar and just being able to connect with people at your kind of choosing is really a a nice comfort and a, a, again, a pro, you don't have to go to the liquor store or you don't have to go to the kit or the grocery store and do all this stuff and bring it back and prepare it. You just be done right there. So I agree. Be yeah. waited on. Yeah. <laughs> Fully agree. I am. I am in the hermit phase of my life, but <laughs> I still enjoy a hotel. <laughs> All right. Okay. Room, so back room to service. <laughs> yes, exactly. But back to the original question. Uh, what advice do you have for a new short-term rental investor who's looking to get started today? Um, set your expectation to let it be a drip. Don't think it's <laughs> going to happen overnight. That would be immediate. Don't like... <laughs> kind of buy it, make sure it runs great. Like listen to this podcast, listen to other people in this industry who have done it, you know, 10 times over, do the best practices with good intention and a good investment and just let it do its thing. Don't, don't worry. It'll, it'll happen. Yeah. Yeah. Also great advice. And last question, what is your favorite book that's impacted your mindset? I would say as I'm looking at all my books right now, I'm enjoying two of them. One's a hotel kind of not even a mindset book, but it's the new, let me get it out. The new gold standard. That's uh, by the author or the creator, not the author, the creator of um, Ritz Carlton. It's a really good book and just really great kind of a hospitality leadership mindset book. And then the other one would be Super Founders, which is a book about all the billionaire, you know, unicorn companies. Um, you know, it goes into the data and the kind of understanding of what makes a super founder versus a founder and how these billionaire, you know, billion dollar unicorn companies existed, the things that correlated. Did they go to a good university? Did they have a good upbringing? What were they part of this investment group? Were they male, female, young, old, whatever? And anyways, it's not really, again, mindset focused, but it's more on seeing great stories are inspirational and finding a little bit of data driven kind of underlining for it. 
And I think for me, that is really inspiring because it's not just like Brian Chesky, you know, had this idea, blew up an air mattress and now is a billionaire. Like, okay, that tells me nothing. Um, and it actually goes into pretty significant depth. So I like that type of stuff. All right. Those are two it really interesting sounding recommendations and neither has been recommended before. So I'm putting that on my reading list. <laughs> I was going to say I was going to do rocket fuel, but I had a feeling maybe someone has already done that. Yes, they have. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, Will, it's been a great chat. If our listeners want to find you, listen to your podcasts, everything, how do they do that? Yeah, I'm very active on LinkedIn. So if you go on LinkedIn, want to connect with me there, it's Will with one L slickers can't miss it. Hopefully the only one on there. If not, you'll see my goofy face. I have a silly, always silly picture. And then um, hospitality.fm. If you want to listen to my podcast, Slick Talk or Good Morning Hospitality, you can go there. And then we have like 30 other shows that you can listen to if you want as well. So hopefully those two will be easy. <laughs> All right. And there you have it. Well, thanks again, Will, so much for coming on. It's been awesome. Thanks, Avery. Appreciate it. You're a rock star. Keep going. And Love the podcast. Thank you.